<laughs> All right, let's do this. Hey guys, I'm Parker Kane. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Upbeat. I share a lot of motivational stuff and info on social media, music, and entertainment, but I will also be sharing my personal experiences and interviewing all kinds of other people for their stories and their experiences, finding and pursuing what they really love to do. Let's get into it. This podcast episode is brought to you by Teton Guitars and Chesbro Music out of Idaho Falls, Idaho. And I actually just got a Teton guitar myself, and let me tell you, it is incredible. The build, the quality, the feel, the sound, the tone, it is all there, and I am really impressed. They also have a wide variety of other brands, instruments, accessories, and sheet music, so definitely go check them out. And if you're not from around here, you can still shop at ChesbroRetail.com or TetonGuitars.com. But if you're near me, then go to their Idaho Falls store at 327 West Broadway and mention the code 0430. If you mention 0430, Chesbro Music will give you 10% off your purchase for coming from this podcast. And this offer is good through April 30th. There are some exclusions that may apply, so be sure to ask a sales associate for all the details. Hey guys, this is Upbeats. I'm your host, Parker Kane. Thank you once again for tuning in. I appreciate it. This is a really cool episode where I interview Emily Curtis. Emily is 18, just about to graduate high school, and she already has her very own TEDx talk. She spoke earlier this year at TEDx Rexburg, and she gave a talk called You Must Be This Tall to Change the World. It's phenomenal. I definitely would recommend you guys check that out. The easiest way to get there is to go to YouTube and just search Emily Curtis TEDx, or if you want to be more specific, Emily Curtis TEDx Rexburg. It's the first one to pop up. You must be this tall to change the world by Emily Curtis at TEDx Rexburg. Again, definitely would recommend you checking that out. It was an honor to interview her on Upbeat. She has such good insight on just you know, being kind is really what it boils down to, but she titles it much clever than that, and that's the title of this episode, Deeds Over Data. Really what that means is that it should matter more what we're doing and what kind of people we are than the analytics and the things that we usually tend to focus on. So anyway, I'm going to let her take it away and share her feelings and insights on that topic. Thank you, Emily, again for being on Upbeat, and to everyone listening, thank you for listening. I hope you love it. I'm here with Emily Curtis. Thank you, Emily, for being on the show. It's great to be here. I'm excited. <laughs> no, seriously, I appreciate it. Uh, briefly, just tell me and the listeners who you are, what it is you do about yourself, just whatever you want to share. I'll start off by saying that I don't think anything that I've been able to accomplish is like crazy out of reach of anyone else my age. I'm a senior in high school right now. I'm 18 years old. I'll be graduating in three months and it honestly could not come any slower. And so <laughs> part of what I've been able to do over these past couple of months, I'll just transition to that, is I met Parker through TEDx Rexburg, which was an event that I was able to give a talk at. I am also involved with my school's Distinguished Young Women program, and I will be hosting that in about a month. And I recently was able to qualify for nationals for a speech in the National Speech and Debate Association. So <laughs> this is quite yeah. the mouthful. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I saw your because I'm looking at your eyes when you're going through that, and you're like, "Wait, am I saying that right?" I, I have <laughs> doubts every day, honestly. <laughs> uh, so tell tell us more about um, those programs. How did you get involved? So which one should I start with? I don't remember the names of them, to be honest. <laughs> okay, no worries. <laughs> Definitely don't try on that last D one. Dis I, distinguished, it's a distinguished Young Women is that yeah. one. That one. That one I remember. Okay, cool. So my whole life, I've been a pretty outgoing kid. Sometimes it hasn't been in my favor. You know, I was that awkward kid when we were like 
I was 11 years old going through Disney World uh-huh. that like would try and talk to these people that are going a completely different direction than us <laughs> within the park. Yeah. So I guess that trait has kind of followed me through high school. And so Distinguished Woman, basically it's a scholarship program where junior girls compete in this is another tongue twister here. Academics, self-expression, which is like an on-stage question. Mm-hmm. You do an interview. There's a fitness routine, and there's also a talent. And so my school has this every year. Some schools in Idaho do not offer it through them, but it's by county. So basically, every girl within a state is given the opportunity to compete in this because awesome. there's a state and national level. Mm-hmm. And so. I was able to win it for Madison County last year. and That's it's, cool. Congrats. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but um, no, it's been an awesome experience too. I was telling Parker before this interview, but I've been able to kind of be on the other side of the spectrum this year and be the one helping them with interviews and helping them through their fitness routines and stuff. And it's been really cool to get to know some of the younger girls that look up to me for some reason i'm still figuring that out yeah. but well it's because you're doing cool things and you're older than them <laughs> thank you i uh, appreciate that <laughs> i mean i get that too i mean i feel incredibly like unaccomplished and i'm like oh, i've got so much more to do you know yeah so much further to go but yet like to a six-year-old boy or a 12-year-old boy who wants to learn how to beatbox you know sure like for some people and their um i guess where they're at in life they they see what you're doing is such a really cool thing, you know? Well, your beatboxing is much more impressive <laughs> than anything I could do, so. Should we try it? Um, You know, I'm willing to, <laughs> but I don't want to, like, get your viewers to unfollow you or something. <laughs> no, they wouldn't. They would never do that. Right, guys? You would never unfollow me. Um, so, Distinguished Young Women, that's really cool. And then your Thanks. national speech and debate, is that the other one? Yeah, you got it. Okay. So... It was actually really cool this year. We had, Mm -hmm. gosh, I'm scared I'm going to get this number wrong. I believe we had 15 people from Madison qualified at nationals this year. Awesome. Which is a huge deal. We have a coach that's done this Mm -hmm. probably longer than he should be. He's an awesome coach, but that's never happened before. And so to take, I think we took 33% of the spots for our district to nationals. And so that's pretty exciting. That's We're going to really have a cool, yeah. good-sized group of these Madison nerds going up to this competition <laughs> in Dallas, Texas this year. It's actually kind of funny. The speech I'm taking is a modification of my TEDx talk that I was oh, able yeah? to do at the event that I met you at. But yeah, I it was funny because I used this modification for a tournament before and I wasn't even in the top six. And then I go to this national qualifying tournament and there were like three times as many people that did it, but I was in the top three. So I was able to go. It's so, timing. Yeah. It's a subjective event too. Yeah. That's the, with all speech, you know, it's mm-hmm. something that will depend on your judges and your audience who you influence the most. That's That's true. Well, and that brings up like a whole other slew of things like with any kind of presenting or com- competitions you know, because you didn't make it doesn't necessarily mean you're not good. Yeah. You know, and it makes me think of uh, like America's Got Talent or just different talent shows in general. Sure. Like people feel so let down if they don't win. Right. Like so discouraged. But there, I mean, it's timing, it's judges, it's people like 
it's not that you're not good. It's just that it wasn't that time, you know? Super true. So I'm curious. I know you've done like a lot of performances. Uh What performance made you the most nervous? I don't know if beatboxing is a competition or anything Mm -hmm. like that, but. It's funny because I actually have been posting about this. I mean, this interview is going to go out a little bit later, but at the time of this interview, I've been posting about that performance on my story a little bit. It was called Isaiah Fest and it was in Orlando, Florida. That's cool. And I got to open for Damon John, who is one of the Shark Tank Sharks. That's awesome. Yeah. And so he, um, I mean, was in, I was in some email chains with Damon John and like all these different people that were setting up this huge event. And I th- it was my first real event where like everyone there, every <laughs> single person in the audience was someone important, you know, Dang. like a millionaire or a CEO of a company or a booking manager for different famous YouTubers, you know. So it was extremely scary. I believe um, it. Because I was, I mean, it wasn't a competition or anything. I was just performing, but I felt like the pressure was so much more intense at that one. But yeah. what was the what was the performance for you that was most scary? You know, I got to say TEDx mm-hmm. Rexburg, that was something I definitely like, you know, seventh grade Emily sitting in the back of like an English classroom reading a mm-hmm. Harry Potter book. That, that <laughs> definitely was not something I grew up saying, you know, I really want to go give a 10 minute memorized talk in front of an audience that includes the whole Internet, you know? Yeah. And so and their channel has what, like 17 million yeah, subscribers? Yeah, it's crazy. So my dad was actually able to talk at this event mm-hmm. about two, three years ago, something like that. And so by that degree, I'm a second generation TEDx speaker, which is kind of fun. But yeah. I was at that event and left it just super empowered. And it was kind of fun as I prepared to apply for this one. I found notes I'd taken the past two years at that event, all of which were like super cheesy, but like ideas for talks and stuff. And so when the application, you know, time window to apply for the TEDx event that I was in came around, I knew it was something I wanted to do just because of that ideal I've held my whole life that I talked about earlier. I'm pretty outgoing sometimes too far you know (laughs) and so I just thought this would be so cool to check off a bucket list and an awesome thing to put on a resume and I had a message that I felt really good about and so I applied over like it took a couple weeks for me to hear back from them and a couple more to find out I'd made it to the interview and I remember I actually, this is so embarrassing, but I guess there was some error with the phone number I put down. So when I made it, I had no idea until like a week after (laughs) and I almost lost my spot because I get this call at the school office of all places. And so they get a note to come down there and call them. And Uh so I go down to the office. I have one of my good friends with me and they... I had no idea who I was calling. They just gave me a number. I'm like, all right. And I call them and they're like, oh, is this Emily Curtis? And I'm like, yeah, it is. And they're like, oh, you got invited to speak in our program and we wanted to make sure you still wanted to do it. And I'm like, <laughs> of yeah. Course. <laughs> of course. So I yeah. was, it, that was a good day. I just got to say that. And from that point, we had practices and I had a redraft a couple times, which those was. practices are intense. They were scary because I remember going to the first one and I was in this room with all these like accomplished adults and I kind of like perhaps your experience at this event in Florida, I felt yeah. very 
underqualified to be there, you know? Yeah. And they came to teach me that it's not about having a ton on like your resume, things that you've done. Mm-hmm. It's more about having a good message to share at this event. And that kind of transitions into what I talk about, which is being defined by your deeds over your data. Yeah. But I'm taking forever, but I'm going to answer your <laughs> no, question. You're good. So the night of, I get up. I mean, I fought, I was the second speaker to get up. And so luckily I didn't have to wait too long, but mm-hmm. literally the moment I knew he was getting towards the end, my palms like started getting sweaty and I've done speech and debate for a while. And that was never something I dealt with. Yeah. Like I was shaky. I was looking down at my phone. I'm like, what's the first line of my speech again? You know? Yeah. And so I kind of have grown up on this belief of 30 seconds of bravery but I just did not feel that going up. So my name gets announced and I go up that stage feeling like my legs are like stiff as boards, but I get up there and I remember that first line and it all went pretty well. I mean, you're always your biggest critic, but I definitely think that anticipation, knowing that Mm -hmm. whether I messed up or not, it was going to go on the TEDx YouTube channel. That was definitely one of the scariest experiences I've dealt with. It is like absurdly scary. I mean, because I did a TED, I did TEDx Idaho Falls. Oh, that's cool. Um, and so I went through those rehearsals, you know, where they just tear you apart and like give you <laughs> advice as well as well, you know. And they're really really nice, but I mean, you go home at night thinking, "Gosh, like what am I gonna do?" You know, <laughs> and then you're so stressed about the exact message and not messing up that it makes like go time once the cameras are rolling and stuff it makes it that much more scary i completely relate um but those were like some difficult parts what was like the best part of of doing a tedx talk i mean this is a cliche answer but finishing and hearing the crowd applaud what you were talking about yeah and i think a few people stood up probably my parents you know but (laughs) um i just i felt like I had not only taken on this responsibility, but I had taken it on well enough that I could be proud of it. And yeah. it was cool having people I'd never talked to come up to me afterwards and say like, hey, Isn't that, the best? that message really <laughs> resonated. And I just, I, I think that's what hit me the most was yeah. knowing that this wasn't just a check mark. It had helped people perhaps, or at least yeah. inspired them for the rest of the night. Or their lives. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Know. I mean, actually... Because there was that Ted dinner before, like yeah. the few nights before. That was a highlight too. And the yeah. $25 Amazon gift card, <laughs> I, I didn't mind that. <laughs> yeah. Um, that actually helped me get something for this podcast setup we're using. So. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but you said something at that event because they went around the room and they were like introducing the speakers. And this was my first time like meeting all of you guys, you know? Yeah, I remember that. Um, and so I was like super impressed with what they said about you and with what you said in the introduction. So I was really stoked specifically for your talk. (laughs) And I knew I was like, I want to get her on the podcast, you know, like her message is really, really good. And I think people need to hear it. Um, And then when I went up to you, you were like, oh yeah, I know from P2B a few years ago, like I've been to your events, you know, and I was like, whoa, you know, so (laughs) it's like, you never know, like who's going to remember you three years from now. You That's know? a really good point. So those people at that TED event <laughs> and those people <laughs> that watch your TED video, it could make a difference. That'd be sweet. Hey, if any of them are the out road. there right now, if you want to offer me a speaking job, I'm all <laughs> yours, you know? She's been doing it a long time, guys. <laughs> I mean, 
she's still in high school but like this is her passion you know it is your passion right i didn't just i I do love it i i don't know exactly what i'm gonna major in yet but i definitely i i do enjoy it a lot it's cool i wrote this down there's a certain thing you said in your ted talk that really stood out to me are you cool if i share it yeah of course you said impact cannot be weighted on a number scale i remember that that literally is has, is like a quote <laughs> that i feel like i've been searching for for a long time because people they focus on their analytics too much you know and i'm thinking specifically social media but like in your talk you you shared other things you know not just not just uh, social media but like people care about the likes people care about the follows the, impre- the impressions, the click-through rates. And then in your talk, you reference, you know, how much a guy can lift or how much a girl weighs and how they yeah. beat themselves up for it, you know? I think imp- that's like a really short way to put it in perspective, you know? Like I could talk forever about like what it means, <laughs> but impact cannot be weighted on a number scale. And that's actually kind of what we were just talking about, you know, power to become a few years ago. Yeah. Or the people that came up to you after your TED talk, you don't know. <laughs> what that did for them and there's no way to measure it it it's doesn't true. it doesn't come on a scale if you don't mind i might just talk about like the basis of that message yeah and definitely uh, expand sh- on it shameless plug my talk is called uh <laughs> you must be this tall to change the world and you could probably find it on the tedx youtube channel yeah well and i'll leave i'll leave links and everything Oh, sweet. When I share this. Yeah, well, I won't advertise myself any more than that. (laughs) No, you're good. Basically, my catchphrase in it is, you are defined by your deeds instead of by data. And so within my talk, I talk about a few stories from even local areas to us where, say, a group of teenagers goes and covers a rival high school with post-it notes. And I just talk about how what you're doing right now, it needs to have a basis besides wanting this many likes on Instagram. What like inspired that message? Like why did you, how did you even come up with that? Looking at the program for that event, you could see that I'm definitely on the younger end of TEDx speakers. And I address that in my talk. You know, maybe I haven't visited 23 countries or I don't speak 30 languages or I don't, lift 200 pounds but I can do this and look what this group of simple teenagers in my area did and I kind of make this point that it's not about this worldly definition of worth which is numbers you know the followers you have on Twitter the what you get on a test you know and so I come from this perspective where age you know I look at me on this stage I'm 18 years old but I can do this and you can accomplish your goals too and saying it like that I guess that could be taken a little like look at me I'm so amazing and I don't mean it like that I I really consider myself your basic teenager you know I mm-hmm. scroll Instagram longer than I should some days you know yeah and I just I feel like in getting up on that stage I was able to show like even as this basic teenager I was able to do something and so can anyone else from my high school so and i love that like you um i'm pretty sure you said something about how you still have to raise your hand to ask to go to the bathroom yeah i did like like you're still treated like like a kid or like you have no worth or like your ideas don't matter 
but like you do have worth, you do matter. And just because you're in high school doesn't mean you can't go give a Ted talk and change the world, you know? Yeah, Um, exactly. But then also perspective, you are, what you're saying is that you're not some like perfect person that like can achieve these things, but none of the other students can. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I believe. Like it's important not to let things stop you from doing something incredible, but also keep in mind that you don't need to be incredible in any standard to do yeah. something awesome. Well, when I think that you'd be surprised, uh, I think we'd all be surprised how normal people are, <laughs> you yeah, know, like, it's you, true. like we paint this picture of what celebrities are probably like, Yeah, but they're not like that. I mean, some on my mind right now, Dwayne, the rock Johnson. Oh yeah. Right. Or like, Kevin Hart or Taylor Swift or Ed Sheeran or just different celebrities that are out there, they live completely different lives than we think they do. It's and true. They're a lot more normal than they than we think they are. Yeah, I agree. I think it's been cool. I mean, Instagram can be a distraction as I mentioned, but sometimes things will come up in my feed where you see like movies being filmed, but mm-hmm. before all the effects are added, so it's just the green screen. Yeah. And I can't get this image out of my head, unfortunately, of Emma Watson. <laughs> She's walking down this staircase in the Beauty and the Beast movie in like yeah. this beautiful yellow dress, but next to her is just this dude in like these big blocky green boots and like this big green suit with like ping pong balls all over it, you know? And yeah. It's just funny. I mean... That's uh, the stuff you don't see. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a wonky example, but I think just like effects are added in these movies, you know, celebrities have access to yeah. facial effects with makeup, and mm-hmm. there's things that make them stand out. But the reality is, we're all people in the end. So, public speaking is that? Would you say that's your like number one passion? I think you could say it is. Mm-hmm. And it, I hesitated on that because. Like I said, it definitely was not something that was on my radar for the longest time. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to pinpoint when I started enjoying it. And I don't know that I really could. I was involved in speech and debate a little bit before Distinguished Young Women, which was a little bit before TEDx. You know, Mm -hmm. it's kind of been this domino effect, if you will. But I feel like that was something that really pushed me out of my comfort zone and got me to a point where I was comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. And it was, oh gosh, I did this event and I still do with a different partner, but there's a speech event called Duo Interpretation where basically you take a book or a script if you want it pre-made and you make a script out of it if there's not one already and you give basically a 10 minute play about it. It's kind of, it sounds weird and It kind of is, but it's super fun Mm -hmm. and you're speaking together and you're trying to give this message to the crowd as well as tell this story. And our first tournament doing this at, you know, I was in my junior year. It was my first year doing speech. I remember we made it to finals and I was so excited until I get in that room and I see like half our team is there to watch and there's all these strangers in the room. (laughs) All your competitors are like staring you down. Right. And I just felt like so overwhelmed in that moment. And my my partner was a good friend of mine and helped me like calm down. And we get into our speech and everything's going well. And mm-hmm. I, I still kick myself because we're in the middle of a scene and I stop. I'm like, 
wait, is that right? He's like, Emily, keep going. And so <laughs> we we didn't leave that tournament with a trophy, and it's kind of my fault. But <laughs> it kind of broke me in at a fast pace into this world of public speaking. And since then, I've grown to love the adrenaline that comes with it and being able yeah. to you know, move the crowd without moving behind a micro moving from behind a microphone. Like Mm -hmm. I think there's a real power there. And I think it's cool that in 2019, it doesn't matter what your gender or background is. You're able to share your voice with the world. And I want to take advantage of it, I guess. That's awesome. Well, and I was going to say that thing specifically, right? Public speaking is actually, I think proven right now to be, like the world's number one like biggest fear yeah <laughs> like, i know like everybody else in the world <laughs> like would rather die <laughs> than, than get in front of people and speak so it's like why why do you think it is that you like really gravitate towards that i mean i won't deny that it's still like it terrifies me i mean yeah i'm scared to jump out of a plane or mm-hmm. like go surfing in the middle of the ocean And I guess for me, because I'm not that kind of adrenaline junkie, it's like a different kind of adrenaline in a way. Yeah. I, I just, (laughs) I, I've grown to enjoy the power that I can feel even as a teenager to be able to get up, get up in class and be heard or get up in front of an audience. Well, and you, you did just pretty much answer those. You were like, um, you know, it's a way for you to share your voice, you know, um, and then also a way to move people inspire people um because i actually really like public speaking as well how'd you get into it oh man it just turned into it honestly (laughs) because i growing up i was a really really shy kid and i didn't talk at all hardly ever um but that's why i gravitated gravitated towards beatboxing was because that was like my thing that like nobody else could do. I gravitated gravitated towards music and beatboxing because that was way my way of expressing myself because I didn't really talk that much. After my mission and when I got back here and started going to college here in Rexburg, I had that video go viral of me yeah. beatboxing with the McDonald's cup. <laughs> and that forced me to be social all the time with <laughs> everybody because I couldn't go anywhere without people being like, oh, you're the McDonald's guy, or are you the guy that beatboxed with the McDonald's cup? You know, and That's kind of cool, though. Right, it is, and I loved it. I mean, I've never, I've never not liked someone coming up to talk about that stuff. Like, I absolutely welcome it and love it, uh, but that's how it, I got more social, was that experience. And then also, I was stoked because, okay, I've got this viral video. It's going to turn into millions of subscribers on youtube and i'm gonna do music full time not what happened (laughs) what happened was uh you know my inbox got filled with thousands of people saying hey we want you to come speak at our event or hey we want you to come open our event with beatboxing or hey we want you to come give a keynote speech and as part of it can you make beatboxing like throughout throughout your speech happen you know that's what happened and so I started speaking a lot more and then much like you, I realized the power and the influence that you can have on a stage addressing thousands of people. And that is really, really cool. And um, to know that you're talking to a congregation of people that, I mean, even if it's just one person, you could change their whole life, you know? There's just something really cool about that. I completely agree. So 
if public speaking is not your biggest fear, <laughs> what is your biggest fear? Spiders. No, honestly. Mine is spiders. <laughs> really? <laughs> I'm dead serious. Yeah. <laughs> honestly, I I remember this point. We used to live in Preston, Idaho. Believe it or not, it was a smaller town than Rexburg. <laughs> yeah. But um, I remember this point where my sister and I were home alone. She's a little less than two years younger than me. And I happened to be walking through our TV room and I see this big like recluse spider on the wall, which really is the size of a quarter. But in my head, it was like the size of a dinner plate. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. And so I go up and get my sister and I'm like, there's a big spider downstairs. She's like, you know, I, I hear hairspray kills spiders. I'm like, really? And so she and I being our tough, we're probably like, you know, within the 12 years old range we're not terribly old but probably old enough we should have known better but we take (laughs) two like super expensive hairsprays and we go down there we see the spider on the wall and we just pelt it with this hairspray and i think we like petrified it to the wall or something and hopefully it's dead now (laughs) but i feel like i've never really been straight up terrified of spiders but even now, I feel like sometimes I can get intimidated by the dark because, yeah. I mean, I feel like to be someone who can write speeches and stuff, you have to have kind of a creative mindset. Yeah. And I like to think I have that to a degree. And so mm-hmm. sometimes it kind of works against your favor when you're like sitting in a stark room alone and you wake up from a nightmare and you see the shadow on the wall, you know? Yeah. Anyways. And then new ideas. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the (laughs) ideal, but uh, (laughs) who is your number one inspiration? Oh, that's a good question. And why? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, Parker Kane, obviously. Oh, dope. Okay. (laughs) We have it. You heard it here first on the podcast. (laughs) Upbeat with Parker Kane. I inspired somebody. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I guess this is kind of a cliche answer, but my parents, you know, they've been there my whole life. And when your dad did the Ted talk. Yeah, he did. I really look up to who they are as people. You know, Mm -hmm. they have a lot going on in their lives, but I'll still see them up bright and early in the morning to go to the gym. And my mom is just diligent and helping us out, get to places. And if I forget something at home, you know, she'll get it to me as soon as she can. And she just really thinks about people even outside of our family and my dad is one of the hardest workers I know. Like he'll come home from a 24 hour shift and hang out with us and go what snowboarding. What does he do for work? He's a doctor in a oh, okay. clinic around town. And he 20, also- 24 hour shift. Yeah. That just kind of hurts me. <laughs> just yeah, like, oh, I, couldn't, I couldn't do it. <laughs> I definitely couldn't either. Yeah. He does a lot in OB, which is like baby delivery. Mm-hmm. And so that that's all hours of the day. So that's yeah. kind of why it takes- his shifts are so long, but no, they've just, they've been really good examples of what I want to become. And while I want to be my own person, I know that I can always turn to them for advice and stuff. And that's cool. Yeah. Good examples. Yeah. And accessible there for you. (laughs) Yeah. Um, okay. So we can learn from your social media that you are a food enthusiast. (laughs) What makes you say that? I think it's in your Instagram bio. Calling me basic. (laughs) (laughs) No. I was just going to say, what is your favorite food and least favorite food? 
If you're a food enthusiast, you have to know. Sure. Well, I'm going to go really specific here and not trying to flex or anything, (laughs) but I was able to go on a Disney cruise with my family a couple months ago now. Mm -hmm. Anyways, we do a big vacation every several years or so. And so we went on this cruise and I paid a little extra to do this experience with my dad where they bring you these specific desserts and stuff. Okay. And they brought... Most of them were like chocolate based and they were all like really good, you know, Mm -hmm. but this last one they bring out, it's literally like shaped like a lemon and they make it look as realistic as possible, but you like cut into it and it's like not a lemon. I mean, crazy, right? Yeah. (laughs) But it's got like white chocolate ganache, I think is what it's called and just fancy. Not, (laughs) I know I'm trying to sound like I know what I'm talking about. I really don't. I just know it was good. (laughs) Yeah. But the lemony, not lemony thing from the Disney cruise. Yep. (laughs) Better than I described it, frankly. Um, yeah. So I still like daydream about that as I'm like sitting in my class right before lunch. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I could go for one of those right now, but (laughs) yeah, on a more basic level, like I honestly don't mind a good cup of ramen and yeah. the cup bot place not trying to plug them there because i applied there and they didn't give me a job so but <laughs> <laughs> they have these it's like it's like ramen noodles or something similar and they put like meat and this sauce on top and it's amazing i go yeah. there and i get like their cocoa bop and i'll just sit down by myself and eat it yeah <laughs> and so i don't know i guess locally that's probably my favorite to eat i haven't even heard of that place yeah it's in brolums to our local listeners oh okay yeah it's like a little korean food Mm -hmm. shop thing and then do you have a least favorite food let me think here that's always hard for me because i mean for any of you listeners who know me i'm a i'm a big boy (laughs) and and i like food what's your favorite before i go into that uh honestly just uh like pasta ish type stuff italian stuff oh really like I, I'm your typical like lasagna lover, <laughs> and like chicken alfredo, that kind of stuff. They are good. I love it. Well, as far as least favorite food goes, I'm really I'm not a picky eater by mm-hmm. that much. I mean, I'll try anything, you know. Yeah. But I, and it, it's so ironic because I've been able to try chicken hearts. I've tried escargot before. I've tried all this weird food, but the one that I like will not go for is bananas. Like I, I, I can take it if it's like that Laffy Taffy flavor banana, like sure. But like <laughs> you hand me a raw banana and I'll find a way to like discard it or pass it on to someone and try yeah. not to like offend you if you hand me like your prized <laughs> banana or something. That's but funny. What is your favorite word? Not moist. Um, <laughs> it's funny. Every time I ask somebody that question, they think of their least favorite first. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the last episode, the one that you, you were talking about with me before we recorded, uh, with Jay Warren and Nate Waite, um, those two, their least favorite words were ointment <laughs> and lanyard. I can't say I love those either, <laughs> but favorite word. I th- I got to think of like the words I go to in like speeches and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I did speeches speech and debate i would say puzzled a lot Mm. but i do i do like that word because i'm often puzzled you know (laughs) Uh, favorite tv show favorite tv show i admit i don't watch a ton of tv but i have seen a couple episodes of the good place okay it's super cheesy but i 
kind of got into it for a while and we actually we have a tv by our treadmill and I'm really slow in cross country but when I'd try and catch up on runs and stuff I'd run on the treadmill and watch the good place so that, I mean, I've seen running it. sucks but <laughs> <laughs> the good place is a good show got you through it and then what's your favorite social media platform I'm definitely on Instagram more than anything else. Instagram is uh, it's a love-hate relationship for me because yeah. I love Instagram and that is where I spend most my <laughs> social media time, you know? Sure. But I also hate it because I feel like they just never make sense with their algorithms and stuff like that. It's true. And I like, definitely agree with that. Well, and you'll, you'll see people with 100,000 followers that get like 2,000 likes yeah. But then you'll see people that have 100,000 followers that get like 40,000 likes. And yeah. there's just like engagement differences, you know. And it's not, I mean, there's definitely bots out there and people doing shady stuff where they're buying likers and followers and all that. Yeah. But I've, I mean, there's a lot of organically grown accounts that just don't have the engagement and like Instagram will hide them in the feeds and, and stuff like that. So it's. I don't know. Love-hate relationship yeah. there. <laughs> I mean, as a private account, I'm like, you know, I'm okay if <laughs> the whole internet doesn't see my prom post, but yeah. I, I do get how that's concerning. I mean, I I feel like my problem with Instagram is I'll get on there with like a purpose. I'll be like, oh, I need to reach out to this person because they don't have their phone number. And then I'll like take care of that and I'll end up like watching cat videos for the next hour, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Is there anything that you specifically want to get on the podcast you know i've honestly just enjoyed this as a conversation and awesome. i came in here without this huge agenda and i <laughs> think i'm gonna leave with the same situation you know <laughs> this has been fun i awesome. guess i'll throw that in there do but. you want any plugs to social media or like speech events or anything like that you know what if any of you want to sponsor me for nationals <laughs> in dallas texas um, I don't know how I'm going to let you get a hold of me, <laughs> but find a way. Get a hold of Parker Kane, and I will get you to her. Deal. <laughs> All right. There you have it. An interview with Emily Curtis. Such incredible insight. Thank you, Emily, for being on the show. I appreciate it. And thank you, everyone listening, for listening. <laughs> Be sure to hit download and check out Emily's TEDx talk. Again, just go to YouTube and search Emily Curtis TEDx Rexburg. You will for sure find it. It's like 10 minutes long, under 10 minutes. And it'll change your life. So go check out her TEDx talk. Let me know what you think at underscore Parker Kane or the upbeat phone number 208-557-1089. You guys be safe. Go conquer your week. I will see you next week. <laughs>